0: This is Shack Talk, presented by Eskimo Ice Fishing Gear and hosted by Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri. Turn up your speakers, grab your gear, and hit the ice with us as we talk ice fishing.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to Shack Talk. Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri of Brewer Agri Outdoors. Come on in, grab a bucket, have a chair. We're going to talk ice fishing for, oh, I don't know, Kyle, how long? Maybe half hour, hour? We'll we'll see how it goes. We'll, see where it goes. We'll, we'll see where it goes. Uh, brought to you by Eskimo Ice Fishing Gear. You know, Kyle, uh, that's great that it seems like our listener base just keeps growing and growing every month, which is awesome. If you're new to Shack Talk, uh, go back, listen to some of the past episodes. And depending on where you're listening from, you might have to go to a uh, a different section because I think this year is separate on... Uh, is it iTunes that has this year separate from the previous two years? On iTunes, correct. That's right. So uh, if you're on SoundCloud, I think you can get them all on on the, one, on the one that you're on. But if you're on iTunes, if you're having a hard time finding uh, last year's, uh, look up the other Shack Doc. I think there's two of them on there. Uh, you know, Kyle, last weekend uh, we attended an event uh, that was – it's a can't-miss event for us. It is so much fun. This is the third year they had it. It is called Men on Ice. Uh, and it's an event focused on fellowship, faith, friends, fishing, food, family. Um, and it's a, it's a great event. It's in central North Dakota. Uh, we had quite a few people out out on the ice, and it was a beautiful day.
0: It was a beautiful day, Scott, and you know what really just kind of captured me uh, about that event was the fact that uh, so often we go out ice fishing, and and you and I go out, or we take our kids out, our sons are with us, or or Mike Tools with us. You know, we go go out and do that, and we all kind of have the same ability level and and experience. Yep. But but this was a a group that was so diverse. We had kids all the way up to retired fellas. We had... uh, People who are very well versed in in ice fishing, and then we had some folks, and that was the first time they were on the ice, first time they'd been ice fishing, first time they'd ever used a Vexilar, that they'd ever seen a, a, an Eskimo shack be set up, or grabbed an ice rod. What a cool combination, and what a neat experience that way.
1: It, it was, and and like I said, it, it was the the weather was perfect for it. It was mid twenties, wasn't windy, uh, slightly overcast all day, so most of the guys were able to sit outside, uh, which, as you guys know. If it's a nice day and you're in a group of people, it is just so much more fun. If you can step outside of the shacks and everybody can just talk and have fun and watch other people fish and see what they're doing and and hang out and visit. And for this type of an event, it worked out great because we could see what some of the guys that were a little less experienced and we could help them out. They could watch the more experienced guys and and move around a lot. And it worked out really well. if anybody is interested in starting an event like this, they could reach out to us anytime. By all we, means. You'll we'll be yes. more than happy to help them uh, get something started, whether it's you're going to bring out 10 guys out on the ice or you're going to bring out 100 guys out on the ice. Uh, you know, the more the merrier. Reach out. We would love to be able to help you with it. Uh, Scott, you're exactly
0: right. Great, great event. And, uh, you know, shifting gears maybe just a little bit here. My son in law, Troy had an experience that (laughs) I know he is not alone in this because I've been there and too many people that I know have been there too, right? You bend over to to pick up your flasher, to pick up your Vexlar, to grab something, and out of your pocket comes your cell phone. And, of course, like a magnet, where does it go?
1: Oh, yeah, right down the hole. Right down the hole. I will say, I, I was fishing pretty close to Troy when that happened, maybe 25 feet, and... I seen him stand up, and then he just kind of, oh. Yep. And then he walked around his hole a few times, and, he's, and he just says, darn it. And I'm like, what happened? Oh, my cell phone just fell in the hole. I'm like, dude. <laughs> that is extremely reserved because i there would have been a lot more words that would have came out of my mouth more color I'm very very impressed with uh, the way he kept kept himself together for that initial moment you know that initial we've all had that we know as soon as it hits the hole you know just that sinking feeling that we have that oh my goodness and you can't stop it at that point. No, it just—it's
0: no. happened already. And you know, I think one of the lessons we learned from that is uh, outside of you know, be careful and zip your pockets when you put a cell phone yep. in. Right. That's that's the obvious one. But I think uh, on top of that, we 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 took some time. We we got out the camera. We had the Vexilar Fish Scout camera. We put that down there. We we were spinning the camera and we actually saw the 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 camera or the excuse me the phone laying down there in the bottom. It's sixteen feet of water. Yep. So it was not necessarily real shallow, but we saw it there. Um, we kind of joked around a little bit, saying that the, the the bluegills were watching, you know, YouTube videos on <laughs> on ice fishing while we were up there wondering what to do. But um, we ended up drilling a couple more holes adjacent to the hole that the phone fell through, and and we did that because we were trying to drop, you know, a, a line with a with some hooks on it down there to see if we could snag it. And I honestly didn't know whether we had a chance of doing it or not. Um, third hole, we could see that that lure was landing on top of the phone and lo and behold, he kept working it and, and he, he got it hooked (laughs) and, and he lifted that rod up and I saw the weight at the end of it. And, uh, I said, go really, 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 really slow because we don't want to lose this. And he grabbed the line. He did a hand over hand thing and he got it all the way up. And, and what, what was, what was kind of. Well, maybe funny, but uh, not to him anyway. Um, that phone was still on. Yes. When it came back up.
1: Yep. Yeah, it, I I don't know. So, what's the report since then? Has is that phone still around? I know it had some issues right after that, and they tried to save it, but I haven't talked to Troy, so I'm kind of is is that phone history?
0: Well, it is history, <laughs> but um, you know the, the the good thing about it is uh, with his particular plan and the insurance he has. He's got like a a $200 deductible versus a thousand dollars for a new, new phone. And, uh, so it's still going to cost a little bit out of pocket, but yet, um, much, much better than if he would not have had that
1: phone recovered. Correct. Um, yeah. And that's a great, uh, that's a great, great story. And I, I was amazed that you guys actually caught it, um, and, and brought it back up and yeah, it, it was a fun weekend all the way around. You know, uh, we we caught a lot of sunfish when we were up there. You know, the trip. The goal was to catch sunfish. We did catch yep. some walleyes too. Uh, incidentally, actually, we were fishing with small tungsten jigs. Caught some walleyes. Um, what is your favorite way to catch or to cook fish a- after you catch it? You know, there's, we, a lot of us, we do a lot of catch and release, which is great. We, we absolutely love people that do catch and release. Uh, same with selective harvest, which is catch and release a lot of fish, but keep a few for the frying pan. Uh, that's why we started. That's why our grandfathers and great-grandfathers started fishing years ago was so that they could put a meal on the table. And and that's great. We love it when our listeners go out, uh, bring home some fish that they can feed their family. What's your favorite way, Kyle, to cook some fish? Pan it, fish. Let's say pan fish.
0: Well, pan fish, and and I, I think Scott, you know, any any fish. As as I go back to my childhood, um, we did a lot of fish fries. Love fish fries, and uh, yep. you know whether it's uh, deep frying or or my grandfather was just always always one to uh, to just dip them in a little flour, salt and pepper, and fry them in butter on a cast iron pan on the oven, mm. and uh, that's pretty good stuff too. That's very good. Um, but what was really neat is is back when I first met you, Scott. Uh, which man, that goes back a long way. It's another lifetime ago. But uh, doing a fish fry, that was what you did with your fish. Yep. And and what has really been neat is to see some of the things you enjoy cooking, you enjoy kind of diversifying what you do with your uh, with your fish when you bring it home. And um to answer your question, what's my favorite way to to cook pan fish? My preference on pan fish is I love fish tacos. My wife has a great recipe for a fish taco sauce and and the way she gets all the fixings lined up um and and we fry those pan fish up. That's probably my favorite, but I look at you do a you do a walleye stir fry, which you can do with any kind of fish. You can do fish tacos with any kind of fish too. You do a walleye chowder. Um, we've made pickled pike, pickled fish. Mm-hmm. We've smoked fish. We've done other things like there's so many things you can do with fish when you when you have them outside of just a a, a fish fry. And I, I appreciate learning so many of those things.
1: Yeah, and one of the one of the things that I like to do with Um, fish, it's not necessarily by species, but by size and thickness of the fillets. So for like a walleye stir fry, you actually want a thicker, something, a thicker fillet, because you got to fold the fish in with all your vegetables. And with panfish, it would just all fall apart into these tiny little pieces. So, you know, bigger, bigger pieces, you know, like from two pound walleyes would be, is better for that. Um, for panfish, fish tacos is perfect for it because they're smaller, skinnier little pieces that would fit well inside that taco shell. Um, Also another great way if you want pan fish is like when we're frying fish, I will have a couple of different types of fish batters, you know, like a FM Wallace has a really good dill batter. If you've never had dill flavored fish batter, it's, it's very, very tasty. But use that for like the main course, but let's say you're doing some walleyes in the dill batter, but for an appetizer, maybe do uh, some sunfish or some perch, some thinner pieces in like a Cajun batter. So then it's almost like little Cajun fish chips, you know, as an appetizer. So you kind of want to think a lot about, you could do that with walleye too, but, you know, the think. try and think about the big picture and you want your appetizers to be thin little pieces and then your main meal to be thicker, meatier pieces, you know, and, so you might want to set your species that way as to what part of the meal you're going to use them in. So what are you cooking tonight, Scott? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds absolutely delicious. So if any of our listeners want to find out more information about some of our recipes, we do have some on breweragreoutdoors.com. Um, there's some good ones there, some that you may not have ever heard of before, some of them that we've talked about, and it's a great way to do it. Um, and if you've got some of your own favorite recipes, let us know. Let us know. We're we're always looking for new ways to cook fish. Um, If if you have something that is unusual, something that you you know is kind of a tradition in your family, in your hunting and fishing groups, uh, let us know what those are. We'd love to hear about them. All right, uh, stick around because we're going to have some great. Shack Talk coming up. We're going to have a Tip and Tactics segment from Justin Boo. He's going to talk about tip-ups. And a good buddy of ours, Mr. Mike Toole, uh, with a location destination segment that isn't necessarily about a specific place on the map that you're going to find, but more of a uh, a general idea, and, and that's going to be reservoirs. We're going to talk about reservoirs. They're not really a lake. They're not really a river. They're kind of in the middle, so uh, Mike's going to tell us some differences there in case you want to go out and tackle a reservoir this winter. So stick around, and we'll be right back with more Shack Talk.
0: Introducing an entirely new class of ice augers, the gas-powered F1 and propane-powered P1 rocket augers from Eskimo. These ultra-lightweight augers run fast, spin fast, and cut fast thanks to their performance-tuned engines, high-speed transmissions, and all-new cast bottoms. All Eskimo power augers feature an industry-leading five-year warranty. Get assurance. Get reliability. Get Eskimo. Learn more at geteskimo.com.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome back to Shack Talk. Scotty Brewer and Kyle Agri of Brewer Agri Outdoors. Come on in, grab a bucket, and have a seat. We're going to chat ice fishing, and this episode, along with every episode of Shack Talk, is brought to you by Eskimo Ice Fishing Gear. Uh, And that's going to actually work out pretty well here, because both Kyle and I, as you know, are uh, Eskimo Pro Staffers, and we're going to chat with another Eskimo Pro Staffer in this segment, uh, Justin you, he is going to chat a tip and tactic segment, and we're going to talk about tip ups. And this is a, this is something that Kyle and I are pretty interested in because we don't necessarily know a lot about it. We we don't do a lot of it. We fish uh, Minnesota. You know, natural lakes. We fish North Dakota, you know, up in Winnipeg, and there's usually not a lot of tip-up stuff. You know, Kyle, for us, I think if we're going to do tip-up fishing, odds are it probably would have been on Devil's Lake. uh, That's right, chasing some big Northerns or something like that. But we don't do a lot of tip-up, so uh, we're going to get a really good education from Justin, just as uh, all of you who are listening are uh, welcome to Shack Talk,
2: Justin. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm glad to be here.
1: So uh, you you hail from uh, Janesville, Wisconsin, and uh, we we were just chatting a little bit ago. Uh, Kyle and I, the first time we had went out to Wisconsin uh, for some pro staff stuff, we ended up getting out on the lake, and all of the guys that were out there, they they're all sitting around drinking coffee, leaning up against their pickups, and they got tip ups all over the place, and we're like, "Hey, when are we going to go fishing?" And they're like, "We are fishing," and like, "Hmm." This isn't yep, the a, This isn't the kind of fishing we're used to, but where you're at, it's very very popular in Wisconsin and a lot of areas of the of the country, it's that popular. Why is it that uh you who is a who's a guy that a very avid angler and you prefer tip-ups and you use them pretty much
2: exclusively. Why is that? Um it's just how I was raised. Now I've been doing it for about 23 years. I've been tip-up fishing. We chase mainly pike at night we'll uh the evenings we'll set up for walleyes and stuff too but it's just a good way me and all my buddies we'll get together we'll get the family out there we'll we'll hang out we'll set our tip ups and then you just sit and watch them and you can play euchre you can grill out you know and it's it's an effective way to fish multiple lines and chase the big predator fish with live bait or dead bait.
1: You know, it it seems to me it's a great way, like you said, to fish as a group too. If you're out there with a bunch of people and you want to socialize, uh, you want to have a little football game out on the ice, or, you know, just go out and enjoy the outdoors, which, you know, we're a huge advocate of. We love people that are super serious fishermen, but we absolutely love people that just want to be out there, in the outdoors, and I think tip-ups is a great way to do that, get a group of people out there and just go out and have fun.
2: Correct, and, you know, you got to think of it, too. You can use it as a like kind of a scouting tool. Say you guys like doing your jigging. Well, you can set your tip-up if you're jigging in, say, 8 feet of water. You can set your tip-up up in 5 or down into 12 feet of water, and then if you start getting bites on your tip-up, then it kind of lets you know to move that direction without having to to jump around so much and you can focus on your jigging
0: you know justin that's a great point uh to use it sort of as your scout while you're on the ice uh, because you can't as an individual necessarily fish all those different depths at once but you can when you have uh when you have a tool like a tip up now one of the one of the things that um i grew up and tip-ups were there you know they were an option but typically as as you said they were they were used for maybe big predators for pike or something like that but what i've learned in visiting with you is that you can actually use a tip-up to catch just about any species of fish that you might target through the ice
2: correct yeah you just um set it up the same way you'd set up your jig pole so if you want to if you want to fish for crappies or perch you can put on smaller minnows you know put on a, a four to six pound leader with a smaller treble hook or single hook and you can just change it the same way you'd set up a jig pole.
1: So if you're doing that do you still like you said you put a four to six pound leader on are you gonna how long is that leader gonna be and why don't you just spool the whole spool with with lighter lines so that maybe you have some you know some tip-ups that are just set for panfish and maybe walleye ones, and then big predator ones.
2: Well, I do have some tip-ups. I usually have, like, in my tip-up box, I'll have three set up for big pike. That's my main target, and I'll have three set up usually for walleye. My leaders are usually going to be about three feet long, and the reason I like having a leader in there is you can put that swivel on there, so you're using a live minnow, and it's swimming circles. That swivel's not going to get you a bunch of tangle on your main tip-up line. And also, when you're using, I use 30-pound braided nylon on my spool so that way when you're fighting it hand over hand it's a little bit thicker for you to grab onto and not cut your fingers up so bad on it.
1: So up from from the swivel up you know through your tip up everything is the same no matter what uh, what
2: species you're after? Yeah I pretty much just use the same it's going to be I use black you can use any color but it's just a braided nylon it's anywhere from 20 to 30 pounds is what I usually use and then I just put different leaders on for different species,
1: you know, and obviously one of the one of the advantages of a tip up is you can effectively fish uh, more than one line. You know, when, when you're jigging, a lot of the times we'll have a a jigging rod and maybe a dead stick rod or something right next to us. But with tip ups in Minnesota, you can you can have two rods, so you could could have two out. In North Dakota, you could have four. What what's the what's the line limit in Wisconsin and and in Michigan in those states? And is it up there a ways? Is that why tip ups are popular out there?
2: um wisconsin's three i believe michigan's three i'm actually going up tomorrow it'll actually be my first time fishing in michigan but i believe it's three i'd have to talk to my buddy again when we get up there and check the rule book But wisconsin it's three and there's actually no set distance on how far you can fish from your tip-ups so we use tip-up sensors too so say i want to fish two tip-ups on one side of a point, and I want to go around the other side of the point and fish it with a different one, I can put a sensor on it, and it'll send me a signal right to my handheld. So That's- you can effectively fish two different sections of water and stuff with them.
0: Sounds like a great winter exercise program yeah. to me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, yep. Early ice and late ice it is, but in the middle of the season, we usually get out the ATVs and run to them with that. But So how,
1: how does that work, that sensor? Is it something that it hooks up to your phone, or is it... Uh- Something else you got to carry with you?
2: No, it's something else. So um, my buddy Greg makes it. It's called Vulture Systems. It's got a one-mile range on it, which is totally overkill. But with that long signal, it'll go through shack walls and stuff when you're jigging. But it'll send you a signal to a little pager I wear around my neck.
1: Hmm. That sounds super cool. So if any of our listeners and... Maybe I don't know if your buddy wants business or not, but if any of our <laughs> listeners are interested in something like this, how could they find it? Is this on the web?
2: Um, you can go to vulturesystems.com or otherwise their Facebook page is Vulture Systems as well, huh. or my Facebook page. I'm a pro staff for them, so I'm I'm always posting for them too. Yeah,
1: that's pretty interesting idea. That really opens up the, the gamut of things. You know, like I said, if you got a snowmobile or four wheeler. Uh, you can really check out a lot of different areas, and especially if for something like pike, where you, you just you can let them run for a long time if you got a pretty good spool. That's that's pretty cool. So, what about uh, a lot of tip ups? You know, depending on weather, you never you never know about uh, whether or not you're going to have all those those false flags. And how do how do you set your tip up so that you can? Uh, set them properly with, with the wind and with the weather.
2: Okay, so a tip-up, it's it's for anyone that doesn't know, it's a metal ring hangs down off of the flag that connects to a T-bar, so then when the fish pulls, the T-bar will spin, and it'll release the flag to go up. All I do is, whichever way the wind's blowing, I just always make sure your flag is so that it blows onto the T-bar, not off. And if it is a really strong wind, we do what we call a double hook, which is the part that hangs down will hook on the T-bar and then the other side, the main beam of the flag, you can hook on the other side of the T-bar. So then no matter which way the wind blows, it, it's never going to blow it off.
1: Okay. Huh. This isn't necessarily a tip-up commercial, but what brand tip-ups do you use? Because I know there's a lot of different ones out there and there's a lot of, a lot of different styles of them. What's, what's your favorites? And let's talk about a couple of different styles.
2: Yeah, there's a ton of really good styles out there right now. I am a strictly Beaver Dam tip-up fisherman. They're made in Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. They last forever. Um, A lot of the tip-ups I use are actually older than me. Wow. But they they do make frables and... Uh, the now the new ones that just came out are called the lighthouses or firehouses, I think. Yep. And those are pretty cool with the light on top. And
1: yep. Yep. Yeah. A we've, lot of
2: neat ideas.
1: We've seen the lighthouse ones; they're nice for uh, for storage because they fold down real nice and right. tight, and and they don't take up a lot of space. Because a lot of a lot of the tip ups are, you know, like the Beaver Dam ones are relatively long. That that big T style, uh, the polar ones are that way. There's quite a few of them that are that are that style you know then they have the round ones too which you can stack into a into a five gallon pail but um there's so many different options out there and I highly recommend that if somebody is going to go out and get into tip of fishing just kind of maybe get a couple of the different styles and see what they like and what works best for them
2: correct I mean every company out right now is making really good products so you're not going to be you're not going to get anything that's complete junk or anything. So just try what works best for you, and I think you're going to be happy and have a fun day at tip-up fishing.
0: Hey, Justin, I, I've noticed uh, kind of at at some of the ice shows and some of the places that uh, that I shop, there are you know there's the, there's the standard traditional tip ups like we've been talking about, but then there's these new ones that are kind of uh, they're they're much larger. They're like a box that completely encloses the hole and and helps to keep it from freezing up. Are there certain advantages to that type or disadvantages or what's your opinion on those?
2: Yeah. I mean, you said it right there, the, they, they keep your hole from freezing up. A lot of them, they'll burn like charcoal inside of it or a tea light candle or a oil lantern. So it'll just heat the inside of that black box. And then with the sun shining down on a black box, it'll, it'll keep your hole open. Um, so that's obviously a great advantage when you're out on them cold days. You don't have snow blowing in your hole. You don't have icing up. But the one disadvantage I see why I have not used them is they're just so big and bulky.
1: Yep, yep.
2: I'm, and I'm already pulling out an auger and a shack and, and all that stuff. I don't I don't want to have big wood boxes to take, too.
1: Yeah, and that, and that's the advantage of the firehouse ones we just talked about. You know, they're so compact that it's, it just makes your package, you know, your entire ice fishing package that much easier to travel with.
0: Justin, what uh, what do you do to prevent holes from freezing up with the style tip-up that you use? Uh, are there tips that maybe our listeners might want to try if if they don't want to go to one of those larger box styles?
2: Yeah, I just use the plain uh, original board style tip-up beaver dams, and I use one of their foam beaver dam hole covers. Um, It's black, so the sun beats on it. It'll kind of help insulate and everything and keep your ice from from forming. But the main thing you got to do is just about once an hour go and check your tip-ups, get your bait livened up, and make sure it's hanging correctly and not tangled, and chip away that ice.
1: So what do you do for uh, when you set? You, you go out and you set your original tip-up. I assume you use a, a weight or you know, some type of a depth bomb, they, they get the, get it set right. Do you mark the line in some way or do you go and reset it that way every time that you pull the line up?
2: Um, I do mark mine. So I originally growing up, when I was taught how to tip up fish, we started by using buttons. So we would just run a button through our tip up line and then above our leader and use that to slide up and down. And now I've switched to just using the smallest Split shot that I can find and I'll mark that right up to the spool. So then every time you go out you just know you're at the right depth where you caught that fish. And a lot of other guys they'll use small bobbers, just anything to mark your mark your line.
1: That's a great tip. Very, very good tip. So what other what other uh tips can you give our listeners? You know, we're gonna finish up here in the next minute or two, but you got any that that was a great tip for the guys that don't that don't use tip ups very often. You know, how many of those little things do you have that that those of us that don't do it, I mean, we would fight for the next 10 years trying to figure it out, but it's natural for you because you've been doing it forever.
2: Um, I guess I would just say, you know, the main thing about tip-ups is if you don't do it is don't waste a hole. If you can have two lines out, you might as well have two lines out, scout for fish, and you can kind of see where they're moving in depths and adjust your jig fishing if you don't want to do all tip-ups. And just don't overlook the fact of having an extra line out there. So do you, you,
1: you talk about setting setting different tip-ups out, you know, in across different depth ranges, you know, which I'm sure is a great way to do it, but do you, do you ever go out and find a certain depth where you're pretty sure the fish are at, and then you set your tip-ups at different depths of the
2: water column to see, Correct. see yeah. if there's fish riding higher or not? Yeah, you never know when them active fish are going to be feeding. Um, I like to set mine close to about one to two foot off the bottom always, but if I'm not having luck, then I will raise it up to halfway in the mid-depth water column or all the way up a foot under the ice just seeing if something's cruising up top. Yep. But a lot of times, like early ice, I'll fish the same depth because I'm just looking for weed edges. You know, you're just fishing right outside the weed edges. Yep, yep, I get it.
1: Awesome. All right, Justin, we really appreciate this. This is good. If, if any of our listeners would like to reach out to you, uh, whether it's on social media or, or however way you would want them to, how could they get a hold of you if they had any questions?
2: Well, it's Justin Bue on Facebook, uh, Justin Bue on Instagram and then Grim Outdoors is my outdoors page. Awesome.
1: Cool. Thank you very much, Justin. We really appreciate it and, uh, hope you uh, can get out a little bit more this winter, and uh, enjoy your trip to uh, Michigan coming up.
2: All right, thanks for having me, guys. Have a good season.
1: All right, uh, you too. All right, listeners, we will be back after this short break with our next section of Shack Talk, which will be a location-destination segment with Mr. Mike Toole talking about how to fish reservoirs. For the past half
0: decade, Ion has been the best-selling and highest-rated electric auger on the ice. It was also the first high-performance ice auger powered by lithium-ion technology. No other electric ice auger shreds faster, cuts smoother, or drills through more ice on a single charge. Whether re-drilling old frozen holes in your shack or running and gunning across the lake, Ion is the perfect auger for you. Trust the proven performance of Ion and make the switch to electric this ice
1: fishing season.
0: Visit us at ioniceaugers.com. Welcome back to Shack Talk, Kyle Agri and Scott Brewer of Brewer Agri Outdoors. And, uh, you know, that was a great, great segment on uh, perch fishing tactics with Aaron McCoy. And we're going to, after the break now, we're going to be looking at a little bit different in our location and destination segment. We are uh, very, very pleased to welcome Andy Gorski of Frank's Great Outdoors in Linwood, Michigan. And and before uh, we start talking to Andy, I I just think we need to recognize... uh, uh, say a thank you to josh Rydlinger because josh was an individual who he went he went on to our brewer agri outdoors website he sent us a message scott and i got this message saying i'm a listener and i would love for you guys to to talk to somebody and bring someone on as a guest from michigan saginaw bay and and talk about that area as a destination or location and you know, we uh, we had to, to reschedule a little bit from a, a guest we had planned for this episode, and hey, that opened the door. It opened the window for us to uh, invite Andy to come on in and talk a little bit about that exact area where he is the expert. Andy, welcome to Shack Talk.
3: Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It's uh, it's
0: kind of exciting. Scott and I were talking in the first segment of the podcast today that uh, you know. A lot of the destinations, a lot of these places we talk about we've been to. And we're very, very fortunate to live where we do, where we have so many great ice fishing destinations within a a car or truck drive um, from our homes. But, you know, neither of us have been to Michigan. Neither of us have fished either open water or ice fishing in Michigan, let alone on Saginaw Bay. So we are so extremely excited to hear kind of what uh what you do how you how you pursue fish how you pursue the sport of ice fishing out there uh it's really really a a cool opportunity so tell us andy to start with a little bit for those listeners who may not be familiar with saginaw bay exactly where it is what it is and uh, how it fits into the geography of our world
3: Uh, well we're in the mitten part of michigan we're in the saginaw bay right, right on the inside of the thumb um and it's a very big body of water and the wind can have an adverse effect or a good effect depending on what's going on, what's the direction. So in the bay here, in summer uh, time northeast is not very good because uh, it makes the waves really big. It comes right down the pipe and, and it gets really rough. So in the wintertime, when things freeze up, northeast isn't so bad because it'll push the ice in, keep the ice in from flowing out, from going anywhere, and everything stays tight. So a west wind in the winter time, what will happen is there'll be these pressure cracks That'll form along the the, uh, the contour lines. Mostly, if you look at your map, it's it's pretty funny. I've traveled along them to find out how they all work. And the west wind will push them, will separate the tr- the pressure cracks. So it can be quite hairy sometimes getting back in if you're not paying attention to what's going on. Um, so most times, if if the bay freezes right all the way across, it's no problem. It's just like a speed bump. You go over top and away you go. But uh, it's it's a body of water or piece of ice to be respected. That's for sure. You don't want to go out there, A, number one, alone. You don't want to go out without a GPS or at least a compass. Uh, There's some definite safety features that we, you know, in the last 10, 15 years that have come about that really make it a little bit safer for everyone.
0: You know, Andy, as you're talking about that, I'm trying to imagine in my mind. And and, and what you're saying is great advice anytime we're out on on big water, we're out on big ice, and um, certainly where you're you're talking about there Saginaw Bay, and and Saginaw Bay when I looked at a map was was that that big big that wide bay that comes off of Lake Huron, so it's it's part of the Great Lakes. It's it's really just a, a little bay off of that very very large lake. And uh, looking at the statistics, you talk about you know the uh, the the ice and the ice sheet. This isn't a small little area. Um, What I saw was over 1,100 square miles of water. That's absolutely amazing.
3: Yeah, it's a big body of water. And, I mean, guys fish it, obviously, for both sides. So, you know, the guys over on the east side, their their ice stays a little longer, gets a little quicker if we're always getting that west wind pushing over there. So us guys over here on the west side of the bay, you know, I live right across the street from the bay, so my stuff is pointed at the lake. I can take off whenever I want, but we usually the best ice isn't real good till about the first of February. You know, if we get ice for the first of the year, it's usually pretty good. If we're out fishing walleyes right then, then we're ahead of we're ahead of schedule, and that's. Pretty good, but uh, for the most part, the good fishing don't start till right end of January, first part of February, for walleyes to get out. You know, past a couple of miles.
1: So you know, Andy, you had mentioned uh, that that uh, if you get dependent on the wind, you know that ice is going to move around a little bit. Um, And you, and you need to be careful of that and watch the weather reports Um, once, you know, and we have that here where we are in the upper Midwest, but generally once a lake gets locked up, you don't have that because the ice doesn't necessarily have any place to go. Does Lake Huron lock up that does it freeze solid throughout the year, you know, as you get later in the year so that when you have that wind, it's still not going to push it out?
3: It's been quite some time since the whole lake froze across. I, off the top of my head, I don't remember, but it's been probably five years since we had great ice that we could travel, you know, anywhere you wanted to without any trouble. I mean, the last two years, it was okay, um, and then we had good ice forming, and then we had a warm spell, and the wind blew out of the west and separated, you know, the the last pressure crack out, separated about 300 yards, 400 yards. And then it just sat there. It didn't go anywhere. It didn't come back. It sat there. It was open water. And you couldn't get to it do anything. You know, you want to talk about a bunch of sad face ice for sitting <laughs> on shore looking at it. You know. We're all just sitting there twiddling our thumbs waiting for it to freeze. But uh when it did it was fun.
1: Yeah. So um as long as you have that as long as you don't have that west wind, like you said, it's that west wind that can push it out. Um if yep. you got an east wind, you know, you're pretty much good, good to go. So it sounds like anglers for the most part, kind of got to take things day by day with the weather. And, and honestly, you got to do that no matter where you go, but this is no different.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, But when that ice sets up, I mean, you know, the, the first ice, we get first ice perch fishing starts off, uh, you know, actually they were walking on some shore ice about, First week of deer season, which is November fifteenth, and a little bit, little, little happened there. But then, of course, it got warm and kind of wrecked that. So we're some of the canals and in the cuts are f- frozen over in the bay, and the guys will start perch fishing a few bluegills here and there. But everybody's chomping at the bit, hoping it gets cold to get out there for the walleye because you travel traveling here from two to ten to fifteen miles to go do it. You know.
0: So Andy, as you look at traveling out there that distance, you know, uh, numerous miles out, uh, potentially those those cracks, those heaves, those pressure ridges um typically for for folks out there um is there any vehicle travel uh meaning like trucks and whatnot or is it t- is it just sleds wheelers uh atvs yeah. and that kind of thing
3: mostly snowmobiles forwarders um you know is is the vehicle of choice It's been about four or five years since i drove my pickup out there i never thought i'd see it in my lifetime but we did and then we yeah. had in fact, we had two two and a half feet of ice, and we were going out a couple, three miles in trucks and catching fish in eight, ten foot of water. It was great. It made ice fishing really easy, but that's been a couple of years, you know, and most of us, we all have our own snowmobile. We have a, everybody has their own GPS in their snowmobile. Um, they got their shanty. We have all our setups, you know, a way to transport our stuff. It, it works out pretty good.
1: So there's a, I, I assume there's accesses all the way around the bay. Um, you know, yep. it, it's such a huge bay, so each town, I'm sure, has got different accesses yep. and things like yeah, that. Yeah,
3: we're close to Linwood. That's where we're at. We're kind of between Linwood and Pinconning, and at the end of both roads, there's nice parking. And then if it gets cold enough and winter gets here, you can park right on the ice. But other than that, you know, you have to find a nice spot. You know, there's a few different other access points that have good parking that you can slide on down there.
0: So uh, just in in perspective to where things are with the rest of the world here, Andy, uh, you know, Saginaw Bay itself, but where you're talking about, that's north on the map, that's north of Detroit. And about how far north of Detroit are you? Eh, Two and a half hours north of Detroit. Not a bad drive from that metropolitan area. And uh, certainly it kind of goes out from there. But when folks come out to visit, when they come out uh, or even the locals in the area, when when they're out on the ice and they're able to get out. We talk about, uh, you mentioned perch, you mentioned bluegills, you've talked about walleyes. What are, uh, th- does that encompass the species you're, you're targeting or are there others? Kind of Kind of. what is it that you're catching when you're out there on Saginaw Bay?
3: Most guys are targeting the trout, I mean the trout, the, uh, they're targeting the walleye and the perch. Um, you know, that's the most, what everybody's after. I mean, the, the walleye fishery in the bay here is phenomenal. I, I have... I've fished other places. I haven't been out in your neck of the woods to fish walleyes, and it's hard to leave here because it's so good fishing, you know. Um, and any, you catch fish anywhere from two to ten, eleven pounds out there, you know. And, and there, it's it's addicting. We were just uh, had a little session in the garage last night, a little powwow, talk about how much we all like ice fishing way more than summertime fishing, just because it's your beer doesn't get warm. There's something special about it,
0: isn't there, Andy? No. Yep. That, among yeah. many other that's, things. That's are one these... of the things
1: that makes it special, <laughs> yeah. There, there, there
0: are so many. Hey, yeah, so so those of us unfamiliar with, with regulations out there, what are limits? What are restrictions? Are there slots? Are there minimums? What kind of things are we looking at for uh, the, the regulatory um, rules of fishing?
3: Uh, Walleye, the limit is uh, eight per person, and they thir- have to be 13 inches long. Uh, they just brought that in a couple of years ago. A uh, few guys I know still don't keep them unless they're 15 or bigger, but that's personal preference, you know. Um, but yeah, there's some real nice fish to be caught out there. Perch the limits 25 and no no size limit there.
1: You know, Andy, uh, there's there's a reason all those fish are there. Are, are they staged there all fall, or are they are there rivers uh, coming into that system so that you know that's what's drawing the fish and the bait fish into the area why, why is it so good down there uh, you know on that south tip of Saginaw Bay uh, throughout the winter and is it yeah, better is it better as the winter goes on is there certain you know a lot of these lakes that have the rivers coming in you know as we get closer to spawn you know it gets better yet but.
2: yeah
3: when, when that last ice when the fish are coming into spawn um, they're coming into the rivers that that last ice fishing is really good I mean you don't even have to get six foot of water and you can go out there and just Put a whacking on them in a short period of time. It's a lot of fun that shallow water fishing. But I mean, you know, we get after them in all all aspects. I mean, when when the if, when until we ice up, this fall fishing has been great. If you can braid the cold and you already got bagged your buck, I mean, guys go out there and troll until she ices up, and the the fish are bigger in the fall. It seems to be nicer sized fish in the fall. But uh, you know, even even going there and jigging them in you know 12 to 20 foot of water is an absolute blast. You hook onto those bricks on the bottom and boy they like to they like to fight
1: how long how long does the season go in the in the sp- in the late winter spring
3: uh well the bay never closes the lake uh, but the rivers close so march 15th they're closed march 15th till the last saturday in april
0: that's good to know as someone who's planning a trip i uh, would want to certainly keep that into perspective uh in in terms of how you plan that with your season um Andy, what are some of the tactics you use as you're out fishing, uh, you know, spoons, rattle baits, uh, live bait? What are some of the things that are, are common amongst the ice anglers out there?
3: Most guys jig with jigging spoons, whether it be a Clio, a Crocodile, a Loco, your favorite jigging spoon. The sky's the limit. Um, some guys will tip it with just a regular um blue shiner or you know, a emerald shiner. It was like a walleye size one, two and a half to three inch. Right. Um, I myself I like to pinch the heads off, just use the head. Uh in the last few years when they uh bumped it up to three three lines per person, a lot of guys started buying more tip ups and they'd set a tip up on a, you know, tip-up, and that really blew up. A lot of guys, not many people fish tip-ups in the bay, and then when you can throw that extra line out there, they'd buy a tip-up and leave that sit. Or even the, the dead stick method, which you just have that over the other hole, sitting there with a live minnow off to the side, maybe a slip bobber on there, and that works too. If you take a break from jigging, you always got something down there wiggling, and you know, attracting them in. Um, that, that's a very effective as well
2: you know
0: having the uh this system that allows you to fish effectively with those three lines and whether you choose to fish with one that that's certainly an option but you know any any time you can increase the number of lines and hooks and lures you have out uh, it it increases the odds of of the fish you're going to catch and so uh the key is to do it effectively and be able to monitor it and and fish that uh effectively to catch the fish when they are biting and and tip-ups is a great way to do that there's no question about it andy you mentioned that uh, a lot of anglers out there chase perch early in the season what uh, what might be some of the differences are these the same areas of the bay are they different areas different depths of water uh different tactics uh, what are they doing for uh chasing
3: perch? Just a lot, there's shallow water, you know, so you start out that first ice, you're walking out there and, you know, maybe two inches of ice and you're getting in anywhere from a foot to three foot of water. A lot of guys will jig those beaded spoons or jack hooks per se. Um, the beaded spoons, they usually ha- don't have a barb on the hook because them fish come in, you catch them and you, sm- you flop the fish on the ice, the hook falls out and you put the hook right back and you catch them one after another. It's a really effective way, especially if they're biting hard that day, but everybody's got their own little tip or little trick. Some guys, if they're more finicky, they'll put, like, a spike or a wax worm on there, uh, wigglers sometimes. I'll even put, uh, I know some guys will do just a regular two-hook perch rig and hook two perch two perch minnows on there so they're swimming around live just to keep some traction down there and jig the other one. You know, and, and if you're that two-foot of water, the trick is to be there early and to be quiet. And then once ten guys walk by, you might as well pick another spot because they <laughs> scatter pretty quick in that shallow water. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's uh, that is one of the tricks, isn't it? Just to be stealthy and get out there. And and the ice is that thin, and and the water's that shallow. Those fish tend to be a little bit spooky. And and you're right, if you can get out there without them really being disturbed, you're you're probably in for a treat. But uh, but once they get scared out, um, they're probably not coming back in yet that that morning or that day.
3: No, they're just on the move. They're all just
0: swimming around there,
3: chasing bait.
0: That is for sure. Andy, what uh, what are the other things that uh, that folks out there are fishing, whether it be on the bay or inland, or there are other uh, other opportunities in uh, the Saginaw Bay region?
3: Uh, probably half hour north of us, there's a lot of inland lakes that start, you know that people will pike fish and bluegill fish, different different things they can do And then once you get farther north in Michigan. All of those lakes are loaded with pike and perch and bluegill, um, bass. You can't keep in the winter time, but bluegill fishing is really good to the north of here in some spots. And a lot of guys like to set tip-ups for pike fishing too. That's a that's a good time as well. But that all happens kind of you know like half hour hour north of here, and all the way up to the UP. You know.
0: That's not a bad drive, honestly. If uh, if you're stationed or based out of that uh, that area near Saginaw Bay, and you have a day when you can't get out on on the bay to fish, uh, boy, that's a really nice option to have as a backup, being only a half an hour to an hour away. And uh, good blue bluegill fishing, good pike fishing is always a fun day.
3: Yeah, just change up your tactics a little bit. You got to go a little bit lighter tackle, you know, and a spring bobber or a really light tip, and that's the that's the trick to get those gills, you know.
0: Fantastic. Andy, um, for folks that are listening here to Shack Talk and they are interested in finding more information about fishing, ice fishing in uh, Michigan and Saginaw Bay uh, or getting a hold of you, what uh, what what can you give them as far as uh, points of contact?
3: Uh, you can call right here at uh, Frank's Great Outdoors. The phone number is 989-697-5341. Uh, we also have a website franksgreatoutdoors.com uh you can contact you can get to me on there you can call and talk to me anytime if i'm here i mean i'm here quite a bit anyways i try not to be but it's you know the nature of the beast so uh but any any of the guys that work here they we all fish we all hunt we all have the same passion or a sick and twisted disease that we can't stop going out there after these fish, you know. So <laughs> we'll we all tell you what would tell you the best. We're You know, we're all concerned with your safety. We're not going to send you out there on a bad day, you know. If if the wind's blowing the wrong way and four guys in here go, hey, I wait till tomorrow, it's not a bad idea to sandbag and, you know, maybe go to this tavern and have some lunch and think about it until tomorrow, you know.
0: You bet. Or take a drive up and catch some nice bluegills for the day and then hit it back on the Bay of the Next. But uh, that in, yep. that that information, Andy, and that resource as a local person who uh, who is so experienced on that body of water, we you can't put a price on it, and Scott and I say it all the time. You know the the folks there in the bait stores, the folks in the sporting goods stores, the folks who are guides in these areas. They're the ones to talk to, and and you can read reports online, and you can hear information online, and and that's all that's all good, and it's all part of the the research part of it. But uh, you just can't beat the uh, the actual experience and and knowledge of folks like yourself. So uh, we appreciate you sharing that contact information and certainly encourage any of our listeners thinking about heading your direction to uh touch base to to gather all the information they can ahead of time and be prepared to uh to have a great time fishing out there andy thank you so much for joining check talk we appreciate it uh we uh we've loved visiting and and talking ice fishing with you and uh again thanks for joining us
3: Right on. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, feel free to give us a buzz anytime. We'll, we'll try and steer you in the right direction and help put more fish in your cooler.
0: Fantastic. Folks, thanks for listening in today. It's always a pleasure to talk ice fishing. We want to thank Eskimo Ice Fishing Gear, GetEskimo.com, for their support of Shack Talk. Find them on their website, GetEskimo.com. Find them on Facebook and instagram and again we love hearing from our listeners send us a message let us know what you think let us know uh, if you have some ideas or thoughts on some locations destinations tips or tactics and we'd love to talk about them here uh and you can follow scotty and i on brewer agri outdoors facebook twitter instagram and youtube until next time get out there and go fishing. be safe and good luck